When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. <laughs> I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. God. I'm calm and cool. That, that has one. become your version of kisses that I do over on that Bigfoot you? Collectors Club, the other side. I'm going to keep doing it's it. It's just that it's, it, in terms of like improv, just a one word nonverbal. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. You just, yeah. Yeah. How, that's improv. It's a real. It's sh- new every time. <laughs> it doesn't take us anywhere. Oh, also, sure it, does. it sounds like you're being more and more sexually gratified with I every am. episode. He really likes I that intro. He's into it. Oh, man. Well, god damn it, we're back for another episode of Bigfoot Collectors <laughs> Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. I am your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson, and our super producer, Riley Rare. Are you trying to steal my voice this week? What's going on? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> god, let me tell you, this episode is already, this. we're in our third, fourth week, fourth week. Of our Hall- Bigfoot, very Bigfoot Halloween month. Cool. And this one started with a real scare. Already we are mm-hmm. frightened. Um, let's talk about it right now to- oh, yeah. with our guest who was brought in instantly terrified. <laughs> Hi. Uh, she is a uh, an actress of stage and screen. She's appeared in Netflix's Maniac and FX's What We Do in the Shadows. Mm-hmm. If you're in the L.A. area... You can see her beginning October 22nd at the Gavin Playhouse in the Thanksgiving Play. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Alexandra Henriksen. Hi. Wow. So you guys haven't opened yet? No. So we go into tech tomorrow. Oh, how exciting. Yeah, I think it should be. It's like um, the set is a big uh, classroom. And when I went in and looked at it the other day, it just felt like going straight back to seventh grade, you know, where it was like, oh, am I in trouble? Like what? So good. I was constantly yeah. sent out in the hall. Really? Yeah. Yes, from grades thir- three through seventh. Yeah. Oh, no. I spent more, but I was never bad enough to be sent to the principal's office. I just had to go, I talked too much. Get oh, that. Right. Was, <laughs> imagine that. I forgot there was like, you know, either the hall or the principal's. Yeah. Or the president's office. Sometimes what? if you're the really president's. bad, they sent you straight to the White House. <laughs> no, never went uh, there. Alex, I'm so hey. sorry. You are second. You are our second guest in a row to have a bug scare at the top in of the episode. Yes. Guys. It was a termite last week. Oh, okay. right. Well, I would have preferred. Well, last week's guest, we didn't talk about this on the show, <laughs> Mike Carlson walked up. We found a flying termite in mm-hmm. the studio, which landed on my shirt. Riley swatted him, and I said, don't kill him. Let's feed him to the spider outside, which well, it is worked. a real creepy idea. But I just it's a felt great like thing to be doing as your guest walks up. And to then Mike Carlson walks up <laughs> and we're feeding doing? 
termite to a spider. And then tonight, what happened? Well, tonight I came in and um, I sat down and Riley immediately said, stand back up, stand, stand back up. And my first thought was snake, actually. Oh, I don't know wow. why I thought snake. I just maybe it's kind of a low couch. And I was like, oh, that'd be a great sort of sneaky hiding thing. Yeah. But it was not a snake. What was it? It was the largest spider I've seen at my house. Yeah, that Ever. was a, that was a 50 cent piece <laughs> yeah, spider massive. right there. It looked like a crab. <laughs> it was <laughs> startling. I like that was... I was trying to disguise. I was trying to be calm. And you guys all just saw right yeah, there. And you're yeah. like, something very bad. Riley got dad scared. <laughs> Where he was real in control, but the terror was just one inch under the surface. Mm. Of the, I'm upset of, that I didn't react faster. I don't know what that means God. for any kind of well, you future know, calamity. When you've walked into a strange place and then suddenly sure. someone's saying, stand up, stand up. <laughs> immediately after you've sat down right. and been offered a boxed water, it's it not. Is, it's the, a very nice you are allowed a moment of confusion. <laughs> thank you. Thank yeah. you for that. I don't. Um, I don't know. I feel like. If there was an earthquake or something more dire, I would just kind of, I'd be one of those people that just freezes. Everyone's That's running around them and be like, okay. They're like, falling rock, falling yeah, rock. Like, Look out, falling rock. <laughs> I see it. That's literally what I did during that big one on the 4th, around the 4th of July. I was just like standing in downtown LA as I looked up and saw all the trees and the buildings waving. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Panic sets in. Yeah, I just froze. I kind of felt like I was in the safest place, oddly. Mm. Um, okay. Uh, guys, it's been a big week <laughs> yeah. in the paranormal world, mm-hmm. and we have today some very important news. All right, so I know you've got a story for us, Bryce, but I'm going to kick it off with a story first. Okay. And then, because I think this one's older than your story by the time the... Viewer, viewers, sure. sure. They're looking at the phone as they listen to this. Yeah. Um, this is from NPR. <laughs> Just warming up the old pooter. <laughs> Get, getting that old story ready. Um, this is from NPR. And, of course, we have a nice y- young woman here who we've never met. So, of <laughs> course, you know that I'm going to drop this headline. Not one drop of blood. Cattle mysteriously mutilated in Oregon. Oh, yeah. Did you read about this? I did. This is fucked up. Now, of course, we're all familiar with Ben Mesrick's The 37th Parallel, the book that um, Bryce has previously reviewed on the show. That's right. And the string of cattle mutilations that have happened over the past Five, six decades across America's Southwest and Midwest. Alex, what do you know about cattle mutilations? <laughs> I actually know more than you think I oh, know. Well, okay. right. I am Sweet. a huge fan of Monster Quest, and they have covered this extensively. Oh, no way. Uh, yeah, they have some great episodes if you want to look into it. They, they pretty much always disprove it, but right. I mean, you know, disprove being... The mystery remains, but the explanations are there. But uh, I, I'm very interested to hear what this happened. One, this at- one is dark. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. guys, get ready. October <laughs> 8th, 2019. This was heard on All Things Considered. Uh, in the early morning light, dust from hooves creates a fog at Sylvie's Valley Ranch in remote eastern Oregon. Cowboys whistle and talk low to their eager herding dogs. They're moving the cattle from one vast sage studded range to another. Five young purebred bulls 
mysteriously showed up dead on the ranch this past summer, drained of blood with body parts precisely. That's the key word. Yeah. Precisely removed. Mm -hmm. The ranch's vice president, Colby Marshall, drives his truck down a U.S. Forest Service road. Then we'll get out and we'll take a little walk where one of the bulls was found and the carcass is still there, Marshall says. Coming upon one of the dead bulls is an eerie scene. The forest is hot still, apart from a raven's repeating caw. The bull looks like a giant, deflated, plush toy. It smells weirdly. There are no signs of buzzards, coyotes, or other scavengers. Yeah, they won't touch that. His red coat is as shiny as if we were going to the fair. But he's bloodless, and his tongue and genitals have been surgically cut out. This is fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is no longer um, Anna <laughs> King NPR. from uh, NPR. But, <laughs> I mean, you know, we hear these stories, and we've talked about this. I've read that book by Ben Mesrick. And the thing that is so sad and crazy about these stories is that, A, this is an economy for these ranchers. A livelihood, the, yeah. The, the bulls are worth uh, around $6,000 each, according to, to this article. And these were breeding bulls. Hundreds and thousands of dollars worth of future calves were lost as yeah. well. And it's also, uh, in some cases, it's, it's you know, the loss of an animal is also an emotional loss. So these and other animals that have been involved in cases like this, horses, right. have been terrified by what has uh, happened to their fellow livestock. Well, that's right. And if you'll, if you'll recall from that book, so many of these ranchers got so sick of just like the local law enforcement coming out and go, well, it must have been predation, you know, and these ranchers are just fed up with like the mundane answer of just like, uh, you know, it's probably, you know, just some coyote. It's like, Bull fucking shit. This photo here, and we'll have a link in the show notes. I mean, this looks like a deflated, a deflated pool yeah, that's, float. That's it's crazy. Really, really sad. So, um, get a load of this. Uh, theories abound. Harney County Sheriff's Deputy Dan Jenkins has been working the cattle cases and has gotten dozens of calls from all over offering tips and suggestions. A lot of people lean toward the aliens, Jenkins says. One caller had told us to look for basically a depression under the carcass because he said that the aliens will, the alien ships will kind of beam the cow up and do whatever they're going to do with it. Then they just drop them from a great height. Hmm. Uh, Jenkins says the cases have been tough with little evidence and no credible leads. It's crazy. I mean, this is a story straight out of like 1997. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean but it, listen, it hits all the common markers, the the laser precision cuts, the tongue, the genitals, the exsanguination, completely lacking blood. Uh seems to happen right under the nose of the rancher. I mean, these are all the common markers of the classic cattle mutilation case and uh Nobody knows what the fuck is going on. I mean, the closest they can tie it to the paranormal is that sometimes, not that that's not paranormal enough, but that people uh, see strange lights sometimes before or after this event, you know? So that's how the, the always link came from UFOs or something like that. But it is much more sinister than just a, 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 met, a beryllium ship from Zeta Not one drop of blood. Yeah, it's insane. Anywhere. Yeah. It's crazy. It's Alex, impossible. what do you think about this? Um, my brain wonders when, so maybe this, this book that I have not read yet, but I am now planning to read. Mm. Um, when did these stories first kind of start or these reports? 
I was thinking the like wasn't it the mid to late eighties that they really started taking off? Yeah, in the but news? actually the big string started happening all throughout the seventies, mm. and it started gaining traction in in yeah. in the eighties. But I believe if you go back, you find cases of this in the forties, fifties, sixties. Yeah, and I'm on. sure if you dug deep in, it's it's probably a phenomenon that's been taking over the last century. But it it reached a fever pitch, I think, in the eighties and stuff. Yeah, you you're know, right. Catching national attention and stuff like that, but. Now you'll see. Now it's a common meme. You'll see it in like right, comics. Right, like Gary Larson. Did, Gar- yeah, I was just like all thinking the time, that right? synchronicity. Yeah, like Far a Gary side. Larson comic. It, it reached. You know. I mean, what do you think this is? Is this some black ops government thing coming in and doing this, or is this aliens? And also, how crazy is it that these stories that used yeah. to be considered tinfoil hat topics yeah. are on NPR? Right. I, I just want to know. Yeah, where did the blood go? You know, why is there no blood any... Because that's a big animal and there would be a lot of blood. Well, that's exactly you know? right. And I think so one one assumption that that you can maybe make... Mm-hmm. Is you should that, make it right is now. Is that, yeah. well, <laughs> that the exsanguation, the, the, the blood taken from these animals were done at a separate location mm. and then brought back to the location. Because just like you said, it is completely unheard of that there wouldn't be a single drop of blood on the um, on the ground below. So that was very distracting, by the way. I know, I know. I'll be talking, then I'll be like, turn his. P- <laughs> like, and then it comes. Well, I'm showing you a mind. photo of the, of, the, of the deflated. Michael just came by and it j- gently moved my mic. Well, I like that you didn't see him coming, though. You just felt the mic sort of move in front of your face. It, it, was, it was pointed at the wrong place. I, I appreciate your, your attention to perfection. Yeah. yeah. Well, my but, only thing where I'm like, maybe it's humans is the fact that it was the four prize cows you know mm. that there's something about not just like four random it's, yeah, it's like the, the four prized uh, cows so it's sort of like are... screw you hatfields no you mccoys you know like there's something i mean the way in which it was done yeah dis- you know like i don't know i i yeah my brain always so would prefer some, the paranormal sabotage <laughs> so from a that's rival just the only thing is if maybe. there were if it's the four prize young cows well i you know i can tie it to another case that would that eliminates the the satanic cult theory and it'll segue greatly into my story but at skinwalker ranch We've mentioned it a hundred times. Uh, <laughs> as they were as they were tagging the the newborn calves, mm-hmm. uh, just within a within a twenty minute window, uh, they tagged a calf. They were walking over to the next one, and they heard this horrendous cry from the the mother. And they go back, and there the calf lies on the ground, exsanguinated from blood. Uh, genitals and stuff completely laser cut out, and this was in a fifteen minute period. No, no truck marks, no tire marks, no other. No, this is a private property that was secure, that had security. So it's not like somebody came in a- under the cover of night and did this. Uh, this is part of the the phenomena as we talk about so much. Uh, well, how does that tie into the satanic thing? I said it eliminates be. the yeah. idea. Well, that's what I'm saying. How it, so? You, 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 because you're saying that the humans that might sneak in do that overnight are satanic worshippers. That's one no, of the I'm arguments. Say, I'm, my argument is, is that this can't be possibly like some people coming in and doing this because they didn't for satanic purposes. For satanic, purposes. okay, that's the part Absolutely. we're missing. Oh, right, right, yeah, no, I think, uh, but yeah, so that eliminates in my mind uh, the idea that this is done by any any sort of human being. Um, 
I mean, I because the government might be doing it to test some weapons or something. That's not satanic. And yeah, but how mind. are they going to get that cow? Or is it? How are they going to no. get that calf uh, and completely drip it of a with of its blood without leaving anything? Not a drop of blood on the I ground. No, that's what I'm saying. Some new type of blood weird... sucking laser gun. Yeah, yeah, I don't buy it. The <laughs> okay. vampire arsenal. Quick question. So why would the government be trying to get? Can't they just make their own cows? That's what I'm saying. There's like, what, if it was the government, like, would they leave the body afterwards? I just feel like and, they have, they would have the money to kind of hide their tracks better a little well, bit. Well, you like could argue that cows. they are. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, this is what I'm saying is I, I don't understand either. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're using some sort of they're testing some kind of weapon that like cuts out genitals and eyeballs <laughs> nope. and drains everything of blood. I don't. I know. don't want to face that weapon. Nope. Listen, That'd be a real bummer. No one has a good explanation for this. Do you remember the Dyatlov Pass incident mm-hmm. that took place in Russia? These nine I hikers go missing. That. One of the hikers had his tongue uh, completely ta- taken out with oh, yeah. laser precision. And uh, that was done by uh, a mank, uh, a Russian Yeti. So I don't know. <laughs> Where'd that Yeti get a laser? <laughs> Dude, I don't know. Just, uh, yeah, putting all these pieces all right. together seems to be impossible. So speaking of satanic no. animals, you said it segued into your... Skinwalker Ranch. No, it segued into your story. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Here I go. <laughs> Doing this too long. Uh, we're seriously. We're seriously. I can't, hey, I just want to say, I can't read your mind, Bryce. <laughs> And I know that we have a paranormal <laughs> podcast, but you think that I can read your brain. I can't. In fact, you are becoming more and more difficult to unpack. <laughs> I like that, actually. I'm, I'm a very mysterious man. The enigma continues to so unfold. So I was flipping around Twitter mm-hmm. and stuff, and uh, and I found this one thread. I think it was by originally the Daily Grail, but it led me to... This sounds um, reliable. Mm-hmm. It is. It, it, so it led me to a, a website called the UFO Trail, and the headline reads, uh, former Skinwalker personnel suspect, uh, former Skinwalker personnel suspect they were unwitting research subjects. Uh, two Ooh. men who state they formerly worked on Robert Bigelow's Skinwalker Ranch are expressing concerns they were unwitting research subjects during their employment. Chris Marks and Chris Bartell took to social media and podcasts to voice claims they experienced paranormal-like events at the ranch and that they underwent medical tests they now suspect involved research, lacking their knowledge and fully informed consent. Chris Marks tweeted, The more insight into ASWAP, which uh, is an acronym for this, these programs that we learned were funded by the government, it stands for Advanced Aerospace Special Weapons Access Program, and the ranch, the more clear it gets got a hold of the medical studies conducted without consent. I'm about to publish and go legal. Uh, the empire's about to fold for good. Nathan Hendrickson says, the narrative on Skinwalker Ranch, Bigelow Space, just got turned on its head. Erica Luxap program tonight. I'm floored. More is yet to come. And uh, I went to another uh, website. Uh, oh my gosh, is it ready? Ah, jeez, I should have warmed up the old pooter earlier. Uh, okay. I like that you call it that. Oh, God. Uh, Very problematic. So that sent me to the Daily Grail, and their headlines, uh, their headline reads, were humans used as guinea pigs at Skinwalker Ranch as part of the secret Pentagon UFO program? And I'll just sort of surmise here without reading the entire article. We'll post the link in our, in our website and uh, under the show notes, but... It seems to be it's that it's not this... a website. <laughs> that was also it's very definitely very not a website. 
It's just if you pull up the show and you're listening, scroll down and the link is in <laughs> said show the podcast notes. app. I know, but you said okay. our website. We don't we actually don't have a website. I we just want to let you know. That. We should work on that. We have campfire. We are campfire.media. Right. right. Okay. Gotcha. Well, look, this uh the story at Skinwalker is <laughs> Is the biggest story, I believe, in this phenomena that has taken place in the last 50 to 100 years. We're learning more about what was taking place at that ranch. And it appears that part of Bigelow's plans uh, was to use these people on the ranch who were part of the security personnel as test subjects uh, and giving bio research back into the paranormal. Because as they found out, nothing that they put up camera wise or recorder wise ever seemed to work. This, the, the phenomena always seemed to be one step ahead. Uh, so some documents were, uh, revealed by none other than George Knapp, of course. Um, it's, oh, I'll read right here. The anonymous author acknowledges how the phenomenon manifests in wide variety of wide variety of ways, including bizarre creatures, poltergeist activity, invisible entity, orbs of light, animal and human injuries, and much more. Uh, but the biggest bombshell comes in the final few paragraphs. One of the major successes of Bass, which is Bigelow's aerospace uh, company, was in adopting the novel approach of utilizing the human body as a readout system for dissecting interactions with the UFO phenomenon. This novel approach aimed to circumvent the increasing evidence of deception and subterfuge by the UFO phenomenon in that multiple eyewitnesses co co located in the same vicinity frequently reported seeing widely different events. The evidence was multiplying that the UFO phenomenon was capable of manipulating and distorting human perception and therefore eyewitness testimony of UFO activity was becoming increasingly untrustworthy. The Bass approach was to view the human body as a readout system for UFO effects by utilizing forensic technology, the tools of immunology, cell biology, genomics, and neuroanatomy for an in-depth study of the effects of UFOs on humans. This approach marked a dramatic shift away from the traditional norms of relying on eyewitness testimony as the central evidentiary arm in UFO investigations. The approach aimed to bypass UFO deception and manipulation of human perception by utilizing molecular forensics to decipher the biological consequences of the phenomenon. The result of the applying news approach was a revolution in delineating the threat level of UFOs. This is the part where I want to reveal to Bryce that his family had come to me Mm -hmm. and asked me, (laughs) can you just pretend to put on a podcast for two years so he can just speak into a microphone on these subjects but never really drop them (laughs) i'm speaking right into the microphone are you gonna bust my chops we don't air any of these by by (laughs) the way no but i love i love that you said i'm gonna surmise this and then you read like 10 pages of the article that was two paragraphs i don't understand i gotta tell you i'm lost it was a lot of science i I, I understood the thesis statement and then the conclusion wrap it up yeah i want to hear this in bright Bryce's terms. Okay, so listen, a lot of these security personnel, um, they were working in two-week shifts on and off. They weren't given proper, like, trained security dogs. Uh, They were given just, like, regular dogs. (laughs) 
God damn it, Michael. I will I will turn this studio inside out. I'm sorry. I'm so tired from rehearsing this whole week. And I think you're not. I know. Wait, it's a, dogs. It's a lot when to keep up with. dogs brought in. Listen. Hold on. To, listen. Wait. Who survives? They were, they were, basically what you were saying is that. Yeah. They were set the, up. The Uf- and the UFOs are perceived differently than yeah, that's right. they so physically are. That's exactly right. They, they understand that. the concept that these that these people report different things. We've told this so many times on the podcast. They all report different uh, witness accounts to the same phenomena. So it's obviously running itself through our own filter, the right. phenomena or the UFO thing. So their idea wasn't to study the actual UFOs that are people are seeing in the skies, but to study the individuals that are experiencing. Oh, okay, them. that right, sounds exactly. great. That now, now this makes sense. I'm on board for also, this. Also, isn't this similar to the plot of Blair Witch Two? <laughs> Weren't they? Didn't they like put all a bunch of kids oh, in a haunted house what? and study them? Is a bad movie. Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I, think I missed it. Sounds very similar. What mm. kind of dogs did they give them? I, not trained <laughs> security dogs. I'll tell you that. Um, mm. Okay. I mean, well, I believe that that if you go through a, an experience, your body will remember it. I mean, we do. We store things in our muscle memory. You know, like I'll always remember that spider. <laughs> yes. will always be always, well, when I see your faces, thing. I'll start shaking. And here's the thing: it's like the spider. We all agreed upon the shape and size of right. the spider. But this thesis puts forth that whatever this UFO phenomenon is Mm -hmm. in order for it to manifest it takes the interface of the actual the consciousness of the user that is witnessing it and unlike the spider we might all see an object in the sky but interpret it differently as it interacts with our individual consciousness that's just right and it's not Not only relegated to just ufos it's 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 ghosts it's ghosts it's the paranormal it's orbs of light spectrum it's the full spectrum of the paranormal and 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 what what it's basically saying is that you know robert bigelow is ahead of the game in realizing that this is a, a user manifested phenomena but it's it's sentient it's malevolent and it's and it's sinister at times, or at least a user interactive mm. phenomenon. It's not necessarily manifested by us. We don't know. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think it takes two to tango. Yeah, for sure, I would agree with that. I think there's, yeah. I do think that there's something on the other side. Oh no, yeah, we're, we we and agree we're with connecting that. With yeah, it. but yeah, it yeah. could be it could be manifested through uh, a person's latent psychic okay. ability. Interesting. But yes, stuff. you're right. It takes two. Yeah. Well, I want to hear all about what Alex has manifested in her lifetime and we're going to ask her all about that after this very quick break girl i'm like mm-hmm. no oh I'm my god I, I know thank I'm you like, for pet explaining dog. that i was like well, I <laughs> well he goes on to say Oh, it doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> the most important thing that Chip, Chip was a security guard, disclosed mm-hmm. in the main purpose of this essay is the complete lack of insight given by his former employer with regards to the background of the location he was supposedly protecting. He says, you're doing security, oh. is all he was told, and his companions, and they were ordered to patrol the perimeter 24-7 accompanied by dogs, which were not even true police canine units, according to Chip, but just regular household pets. This would make one suspect the dogs were not used as an actual guardian, guarding tool, but as biosensors intended to pick up anomalies earlier than their human counterparts, thanks to their heightened, thanks to their heightened senses. So 
You know, it's yeah. this idea we're being used. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're being used to pick up and to and to transmit this phenomena, mm-hmm. and uh, and they 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 didn't know about it, which is a huge violation. Not of cool, ethics. Bigelow. Not here's cool. A, here's the thing you got to know about Bryce. <laughs> when he wants to describe a plot to a movie, he just goes straight to the last ten minutes. <laughs> He skips past the part where you're introduced to the characters, the setting, the time, place, what's actually happening. He just tells you about the fight that the four kids have with a sewer in a sewer with a spider clown. And you're just expected to know what he's talking about. His heart's in the right place. He knows where the juicy stuff is. My central nervous system is going. I'm intrigued. I don't feel safe. He has your your attention. He just hasn't walked you necessarily Uh, through all the necessary I don't want yeah, I, I don't want to like bore you with the details no, of this. The, those details, as you call them, are the important keys to unlocking whatever the hell it is you're talking you. about. Plot and character and all that stuff. Spider Let's clowns. Just, yeah, <laughs> fucking spider clowns. Blah, 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 blah. What is that? There's this clown, right? He's a spider, right? <laughs> all right. So, uh, Alex, hi. Thanks for being on the show. So yes. glad to be uh, here. I love this show. Well, yeah. thanks. Do you li- so you're I a listener. Do. I listen oh, to fantastic. it. I, I mean, I I love all things Bigfoot. And when Bella was on, and Bella and I went to NYU Bella together, Lavelle. Bella Lavelle, um, we went to NYU together and uh, have been friends for a long time and she said she was going on this podcast i was like what <laughs> can i listen and she was like yeah here's the link and i was like dear mr mcmillan can i please be on your podcast so <laughs> well thanks for being here yeah and so, so glad to be. I, I must ask it sounds like you have uh an opinion and some experience perhaps i wish what? i had more experience okay, that's with fine. i have i have a ghost i have experience. to ask the question yes please for the sake of setting up the segment yes alex what is your personal paranormal history? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> um, so I I have always been a big fan of of everything paranormal. Um, Beginning when? Very young. So I I was like, should I share this? This is maybe yes, too okay. <laughs> but it's this is maybe not this podcast. But um, my it is. okay. Well, get ready. You asked for it. <laughs> my father was killed when I was four and a half. Oh man! <laughs> and. Um, and the night that he died, my aunt fell asleep. Me, I was four and a half. My little brother was three days old and we oh, were wow. asleep. I know. It was so it's awful. Oh. He died the day before Halloween. So whenever Halloween comes up, I'm like, oh, hello, skeletons. Oh, um, oh. I know. I'm sorry. So no, I'm like, no. Again, like, I don't want to. It relates know. to everything we talk about. Yeah. It's been, it's been a while. But, um, and I'm in a very peaceful place with it and I, you know, feel calm. But apparently that night, my aunt fell asleep. And she woke up because she heard a humming. And above my bed, there was a like peach pink light that just kind of pulsed and then went away. Yep. And I just, yeah. And I just was kind of like, I, I have a very active imagination. And so I always loved scary things. Like it was just more fun that way. And I grew up near the woods and um, I grew up in Oakland, but we had woods behind our, our house and there was always cool, you know, creeks in the night. Um, I I love that you say cool. I had oh, the same yeah. situation. Terrified, <laughs> like even it. by our own wind chimes. No, could not sleep. You, really? Yeah, I was terrified. Oh, I was like, where is he? Where's Bigfoot? Like, I just, you know, I, we were in Northern California. There were redwood trees, but of course, it's also Oakland, so Bigfoot is not there. But um, so then that so that was sort of my that's my dad's story. And then um, when I was at grad school, I was. 
uh, we you would understudy um, different uh, big famous actor parts. So like we would be like I was like 22 understudying the 70 year old grand dame on the repertory stage. And I had to stay up all night memorizing all these lines. It was an Edward Albee play. So it was just like a lot of drunk talk, you know, and so I was up and I was like recording the lines and it was all Hallows Eve. So actually it was um, All Saints day. Night, day, day. It was the eve of All Saints Day. Mm. So that's it was the first. November 1st. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so it was like 2 a.m. and I'm just like drinking coffee, trying to memorize these lines. And so I recorded them so that I could practice them back. And I press play and I hear my voice start talking and then I hear this little male voice say, hello. No. And I threw it across the room and I went, <laughs> no, I am. Mm-mm. And I like ran out. I ran down the stairs. I knocked on my friend's door and was like, I think I'm a ghost in my house. And they're like, Alex. And I'm like, no, please. Because it was where we all lived in the same you know room. And so I went back and I played it. And they're like, yeah, you have a ghost. I can hear it. So it was one of those things where, where I was like, I, I still have it somewhere. I should have brought it. But um, I have a, listen, yeah. yeah, I'll send it to you guys. I have a, a, a man's voice. Did you stop recording quietly. or did you investigate further? Or? I don't think I ever listened to the rest of it. I think it just scared me too much. So then I like, you know, looked up every like, do you put salt on the windows? And, you know, I did all yeah. that kind of stuff. And, um, but I've always felt like if I wanted to, I could close my eyes and kind of interact with that realm. And I very much don't want to. You're an antenna. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Why, um, what's stopping you? Well, uh, I think I watched Caution. The Sixth Sense. Yeah. Like, like you know, yeah. I just don't really want to look up and see someone with like uh, tire marks across their face or something. You know, like I just, I feel like maybe 10 years from now I will, maybe two years from now. I feel like I have to do work on myself as a person before mm. I'm ready to be open to that kind of energy. Alex, you know? I think that's so smart. <laughs> yeah. Michael, what, you did. <laughs> what if mm-hmm. the work on yourself is Don't. this work damn it yeah <laughs> you're not wrong I hate all right that. <laughs> you're pro- i mean i just i take the same creeps. approach sometimes i feel like uh my antenna is up too and i'm always very cautious of of intercepting any sort of signal because mm-hmm. as i've you know as we've learned it's not always some you know, white light that's here to just bring love, you know, right. it, it, and if it's, a, if it's a power and you don't understand it and, you know, then you have to approach it with caution. I, I, I believe that anyway. Yeah. I, I approach it all very humbly, you yeah. know, like I'm like, I, everything in this world is, there is more to this world than I will ever know Ain't and to the man. universe. And so I just am very humble about it and I'm very curious, but I'm also not going to ever you know, it's that same thing where it's like, I can say it's a red apple and you're like, yeah, it's more of a, like a reddish pink apple or, you know, like, it's just, it's, I'm just curious. I just want to approach it all with curiosity. So then I was doing a show and I was going through a deep depression and going like, what is the world and why? And the world seems so small. And I saw an episode of Monster Quest that I think you guys actually covered Snell Grove Lake. If oh, you're yeah. watching Monster Quest, <laughs> yes. you're, you're probably depressed. <laughs> yeah. Just going to say that. I was like, I was it's in a, a great hotel. show. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, but I was like, what? But it's usually airing during a time when you sh- aren't regularly watching TV. <laughs> yes. It was and a marathon. Yes. And I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> you're you like, know? This is going to distract me for yeah. a few hours. We did cover that episode. Yes. And it's, it's, an, it's, it's a fascinating uh, uh, case of, uh, of, of a Bigfoot that was, you know, roaming around Snellgrove Lake. Yeah. And they actually went back to Snellgrove mm. on another episode of Monster Quest because I 
went and bought all of them after that and i was like give it to me yeah, <laughs> you know awesome. and all of them are bigfoot basically it's like you know with like a handful of cattle mutilations or chupacabra or whatever yeah. but it's like here's bigfoot in ohio and here's bigfoot in florida and i started being so fascinated by how bigfoot seems to change wherever you go graphically in the united states yep so in texas he's bigger than everywhere else in mm-hmm. florida he's kind of weird no offense to anyone in florida and he is kind of weird in, <laughs> yeah. Florida. in yeah. california he's like a like a hippie like green sort of you know nature mm-hmm. lover you know and i was just like oh what is this story that we're taking but then also it has roots in something like if all these people are seeing this thing and then totally. all of a sudden i got out of my depression because i was like oh there's just so much more than i know i live in a world where there are monsters you yeah. know and that was kind of like so i would say like you know how in 12-step programs you have like a higher power <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say like Bigfoot became my higher power. Whoa, <laughs> I just, love like, you. So you awesome. <laughs> or just like, oh, if I can live in a world where Bigfoot exists, that's a better world than the one I was living that's in. That's awesome. So Let me just get that. your lifetime membership card out of my pocket here. <laughs> there there, you there's a, you. It's so shiny. Member? And yep. That's <laughs> awesome. So yeah. because there's a question that I've been asking more recently to our guests, like what is Bigfoot? to you because yeah. i think we take it for granted now doing the show mm-hmm. and some people see bigfoot as like a cartoony mascot or like a lone survivor of an ancient species but you know uh so i like that he's sort of become a uh, a beacon of light in the dark for you for lack of a better term and <laughs> no, i think, that's I think great. it's a good term yeah i think um I think what isn't Bigfoot? You know, I think to to some people he's a great money maker. I yeah. mean, you those you make so much money, Archie McPhee. They <laughs> are making you know, so much if money. If you know how, if you, <laughs> Bigfoot Lodge, if you have you any uh, uh, tips, let us know. Sure, I'll, after, afterwards, we'll talk points. Yeah, we'll talk. Yeah, we'll work on it. Yeah. But you know, like Bigfoot there's bucks. it's it's so many different stories. You have comedic Bigfoot. You have scary Bigfoot. You have um, indigenous stories, and and then like early like it's just and the art the thinking about the hairy man pictographs um i think you captured it best and 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 it and this relates to how i feel about it too is it 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 really captures the imagination mm -hmm. of of not only the public but society in general because i think from an early age it's our father who or our mother who comes in to you know put us to sleep and calmly tell us there's no such thing as monsters you know and you're like okay i can sleep only to find out that that's a lie that you know (laughs) and then it's like it's like wait a minute there are monsters roaming around the woods and they do exist, you know, and it's like this total like paradigm shift that when you're a kid, that's just like the world is so wide open. And to know that there's like monsters and things, it just like you you, you become as small, I think, as you're supposed to be only yeah. to realize that. No, they do exist. It. I feel the same way. Same Is that what you aliens, tell your kids right? when you tuck them in yeah. at night? Like, there's monsters everywhere. I do. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Sleep no. tight. Listen, I, I have an addendum at the end of it. I'm like, no, don't worry. That that doesn't exist, buddy. That's not entirely true. <laughs> but just go to bed. I'll there, explain it later. Therapy. Let me read you this article from the <laughs> Daily Grail. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna I'm, I'm gonna paraphrase this for you. Dad? And by paraphrase regular dogs, son. They I were, mean with the security guards. They were canine. Never mind. Daddy, when were dogs introduced in this story? <laughs> just shh, shh, go to bed. Go to bed. <laughs> Oh my god! You know it's funny, yeah. and I'm like I'm having the idea though too. And as you bring it up, it it 
there are so many different variations of the Bigfoot phenomena mm-hmm. not just here in the united states but all over the world and it's like so you really have to fit yourself into two categories is it is it okay well i subscribe to the idea that that there's multiple species of this creature roaming the woods and it's adapted and and it's spun off in different ways uh and that they're true species and and you know there's just different versions of them the same way that you have you know different versions of primates or something like that Mm -hmm. or or you gotta maybe subscribe to the idea that that the Bigfoot phenomena is filtering itself just like all these other phenomena through the different societies and the different the different cultures and the different people that it seems to be um, revealing itself to. You know, it reminds me of those of of Jacques Vallée's sort of strange theory that, and he came up with the extra dimensional hypothesis for the UFOs and and aliens because he said, you know what that always seems to be using a technology that's just about 15 years ahead of where we currently are. Not only that, the, 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 that the phenomena changes and morphs, uh, whatever the society or the culture or the time and place that it's represented through. So, you know, aliens, which were once, you know, uh, this way look now this way, you know what I mean? Well, what do you mean by, uh, I think I know what you mean, but clarify for our listeners. What do you mean by, Using technology that's 15 years ahead of us. Okay, for example... Because a UFO looks, to me, like a thousand years ahead of us. Interesting. Right. Well, so in the late... In the the 1800s, the late 1800s, people were witnessing uh, what they would call as dirigibles, these hot air balloon ships. The airships. The Mm -hmm. airships of the late 1800s. And, And before that, you know, people had experienced unidentified flying objects as sometimes even like large schooners in the air with masts and sails and an entire, you know, sailing crew so, aboard these vessels. So maybe know? a better way to put it is, or a different way to put it, is that this phenomenon almost represents whatever the I, the science fiction idea of that technology might look like, according to the literature of the time. That's a great way to put it, absolutely. That, it, that, that you know, it really reveals itself... Uh, just on the edge of our imagination, mm-hmm. not something to which we could never comprehend, right? But just something that goes, you know, hey, that makes sense for you, right? Like you could see a flying saucer working, or 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 a UFO, or or a or a you know a, a zero gravity energy propulsion system. You could see that, right? You guys are almost there, but you know, it's strange. You think it's some sort of like it's a manifestation of the collective subconscious? Mm. Is that where you're going with this? Or? No, I don't think so. I mean, it's I more mean, that it's playing off of whatever. Yeah, that... absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, there's a lot to that. You know, there's a mm-hmm. lot to unpack there. I think. I think Carl Jung was on to something. And so but anyway, does how does this pertain to your life, Alex? Like, does this ring a bell? <laughs> I mean, in, in this idea of. Bigfoot as uh, a, a a type of uh, um, uh, of an iconoclast for you, almost you know, to kind of use as a true north to help guide your way through reality. You know, you know what I mean. <laughs> like you're saying, he's an inspiration. He's he's almost like uh, a, a higher power, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, how does this all tie into your day to day life, and how has it helped you, if at all? reached a reach a deeper meaning of reality well i think look i don't know you guys but it's a monday night and now i'm making new friends because we're talking about bigfoot like i think that it's just for me 
I was such a good girl growing up. I was well, like, if we're talking about school, I was the girl that was like, Michael, please stop talking. I'm trying to, <laughs> Mrs. Smith, You're Michael's the one that got talking. Me in trouble. Yeah, and I'm like, sorry, Michael. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like do your own work, whatever. Did you but, also steal my pink record? eraser because Look, i'm sorry about that i really <laughs> that happened to me <laughs> and i found it in her desk and she said it was hers and i know she stole it from me listen i'm sorry about that but i really needed it my answer was wrong on four um but i think so for me it was i think i was so crippled by being a good girl and being a good human and i kind of i went to a catholic high school and it was all this sort of like I was so afraid. So I, so after my dad died, I was just very kind of scared of the world. Cause it was like, Oh, my foundation was ripped out. Right. Like your yeah. father is your foundation. Like my mom was very loving, but your father is like, he tucks you in at night and it's like, it's all going to be safe. And you're like, okay, yeah, I, I believe that. So I think after that, I thought that there were monsters, but they were like people, you know? And so I think to then kind of grow up and be like, actually, I'm going to choose a different monster. And this monster makes the world more fun and bigger and more, wild and loving and um i don't i think of bigfoot as loving i don't know you know like it just was like and i went to willow creek with my mom and we went to bigfoot days really did you go you went to the parade yeah we went to the parade we've never been oh it was so much fun you guys it was um it was right after finding bigfoot came out so there was a big like james bobo fay like puppet and just everybody like like i remember there was a float with um bigfoot with mardi gras beads um and right behind course, him was Bigfoot a cr- flashed right? everybody. <laughs> wow. I mean, it was it was impressive. Um, and there was a huge cross behind him and said like the king is coming, Jesus saves, and like Bigfoot was there. And I was like, <laughs> I love these people, you know. And it was like mimosas at ten, screwdrivers at ten thirty, just shots at eleven. You know, everyone was just drunk and happy and having the best time. And I just had so much fun wandering around and like asking people their stories. Like it was just, it was like reading like a fairy tale book when I was a kid, but it was all these other, you know, it was so so fun. You're like a real Bigfoot pilgrim. I am. I really like, I I think I I did. I made that pilgrimage and I've been to the um, Santa Cruz Taurus. I can't remember the name right now. I did that on my birthday, like two years later. Cause I just, I wanted to, what is it? It's like called Taurus Capistranus or something. It's like a, a gentleman that looks just like, um, Who's the guy that wrote Game of Thrones? Oh, George R. R. Martin. You're yeah. talking about the Bigfoot Museum in Felton, California. Yeah. Which is, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, he <laughs> yeah, he looks so much like him, right? He <laughs> looks like George R. R. Martin. He has yeah. that tiny museum. <laughs> he does. And he will show you grainy uh, black and white footage of mm-hmm. a juvenile Bigfoot stealing apples out of an orchard. Yeah, and it's sort of like, mm, okay. Yeah. So I think at the end of the day, the more I turned off my brain from like, is Bigfoot real or not? Mm-hmm. And trying to convince my family. Like I remember there was one very awkward Thanksgiving where I was like, no, you guys don't. Oh, guys, yeah, the sheeple. Guys, <laughs> you know, just being like, okay, there's, there's this video in Vermont. Goes and nowhere. obviously, yeah, exactly. And they're just looking at me like, cool, Alex, you know, yeah. you're a failing actress. We get it. You're going through something. And I was like, you just keep watching. I'm going to be something someday. Um, you know, but like, next Thanksgiving. Just because I had to work this summer doesn't mean it's not real. I really hope you meet Bigfoot. <laughs> you guys fall in love, and then he comes to Thanksgiving dinner. I mean, wouldn't that just be something? I feel like you're like us. You're like, and I mean this with the highest compliment. But oh you're boy. like weird, like us. Yeah, like, and I think I that love that when was the thing. Call me weird, you to, know? Yeah, I think that was the thing. Was like, hey, you've been trying to fit in your whole life. And there's nothing to fit into. Except yep. this seven-foot-tall furry Bigfoot costume. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that they made me wear, and now I'm sitting and wearing it. And it's really hot, and I don't like it. <laughs> but I just want them to be friends with me, so I'm wearing it. Where you fall on the UFOs, ghosts, all that stuff. Yes. 
Great. <laughs> Love it. Love it. But I don't know as much about aliens. I think I was really scared of X-Files growing up as a kid. Like, it yeah. would be on, and I was just like, no, mm, what is that? I, I'm too afraid of it. Um, so it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I really got into all this stuff. and was just like, this is so much fun. I just wow. think at the end of the day, I can't tell you what Bigfoot is. I can't tell you what aliens yeah. are. It's for you. But for me, it's community. I guess. And I just living in a world of monsters is I, way more fun. Man. I agree with that. Amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. This is really why we do this podcast in a sense, because, you know, outside of this room, we don't get to, I don't get to talk to about this stuff to hardly anybody. No, I know that's why your family asked us to just <laughs> set up this ruse. <laughs> so you had an outlet, but we're not. Well, again, it's a beautiful this, thing, though, this, that this you're doing. This isn't actually your going on any. Friends. It's so true. People, that, people don't have time for this subject, and I find it so crazy because, you know, it just there's so much mystery left to explore mm-hmm. in this world, and to just be shut off from it, I think is, well, I think it's a disservice to... Uh, to to raising the level of awareness or or your consciousness, you know, yeah. absolutely, yeah. yeah. I just think it's a it's a joy, it's a love. Yeah, I can't yeah. wait yep. for you guys to take the me twenty three test and find out you guys are <laughs> second cousins. <laughs> I would be so What's thrilled. The me twenty three like, test. It's the DNA. The DNA. DNA. Yeah, yeah. Something oh. like that. Twenty twenty three. Twenty three and me. Oh, whatever. Okay. Yeah. Me twenty three. Right, right. Me twenty three. It's a knockoff. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yes. that's where Michael blood. I just take your blood and I put <laughs> it in a cooler. The platelets too. Give <laughs> wow. me back my platelets. Okay, it's that time of the show where we play our our game with our guest. It's called bullshit or believe it. You know how to play this? I do know okay. how to play this. Great. So we're gonna go down a list uh, of topics. You're gonna say bullshit if you don't believe it. Believe it if you do. This is bullshit or believe it. I mean, it's never been right. On. We'll get it eventually. We'll get it. Maybe season three. I thought that was perfect. That was pretty good. Season three. I thought we're still you know, on season one. Michael, Our seasons it's are the cracks one year. that let the light of God in. The light oh, of boy, God. Are being... you reverting into religious fervor? No, these days? that's it's, it's a very popular podcast uh, subject. So maybe maybe we should just go full Christian. <laughs> Let's go back. It's just a nice That's quote. where the money is, you That's guys. True. All right. Let's get those God yeah. making money, man. Alex. <laughs> yes. Sorry. On your mark. Oh, gosh. Get set. Mm-hmm. Ghosts. Believe it. UFOs. Believe it. Bigfoot. Believe it. Angels. Believe it. I forgot to mention, this is our Halloween version of this list. <gasps> oh, believe I mean, it. Might not have heard <laughs> I believe that you wrote this. Yes. Yeah. Vampires. Believe it. Shadow people. Bullshit. Loch Ness Monster. Dead. Bullshit. Little gray aliens. Mm, believe it. Werewolves. Believe it. Parallel universes. Believe it. Zombies. Mm, believe it. Shapeshifters. Believe it. Heaven. Believe it. Hell. Believe it. Yeti. Believe it. The mummy's curse. Believe it. Astrology. Believe it. ESP. Believe it. Witches. Believe it. Demons. Believe it. Atlantis. Believe it. Mothman. Believe it. Reincarnation. Believe it. The devil. Believe it. The apocalypse. Oh, I don't want it. Believe it. Halloween. <laughs> Believe it. Whoa, yes. you guys are related. That right? was amazing. That was a perfect um, Halloween. We didn't get right one bullshit in that entire. There's a couple. I mean, yeah. just, there, uh, shadow I people. 
Shadow oh, people, shadow I don't. People. I just don't think I know what that is, mm. honestly. Shadow people are the entities that people see in their house. They're kind of like believe go, it. Okay, <laughs> they're like shadowy figures, three dimensional shadows that move around the room. Don't want sometimes see it. wearing hats, often mm. associated with sleep paralysis. Often associated with sleep paralysis, mm. but not always. Correct. I love, yeah, you struggled a little bit on 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 vampires, but you came right through, and that's perfect for Halloween. I think so. They do exist out there's there's current vampires in New Orleans. Well, it's like sort of a it's a culture thing. There's Talking like you cosplay. know about it, right? No, there's like real people who like consider themselves vampires. Alex, they, what yeah. are they? And they eat, they drink blood. They and... are dead people that come back to life and oh. drink the blood of her. No, um, I there's. I think it's a monster quest, you guys. This is too embarrassing. I think there was a monster quest. <laughs> Wait, on, <laughs> that... <laughs> were they haunt cosplayers that drink no, blood? No, uh, these there were. I think it was in Romania or something like that. Like they're just all these things that are modern halloween you yeah, can buy them at cvs come from something yeah, you know totally. like that's so right. it's like the the original i think that there's you know if i should have i should have come prepared i didn't think to nope, bring my vampire knowledge but i'm pretty sure that there there's just mythology of of um you know uh, anemia really bad anemia where you just would lose all your blood or or um <laughs> that's not what happens when you that's have anemia fair. <laughs> listen as a doctor you, <laughs> i know for a fact um but just that the, these things all are rooted in something right you know so do i think that tom cruise is walking around in an Anne rice version of vampires no mm. but do i think that there are people who mimic their life off of it because they love vampires like i do bigfoot yes and are there is there some mythology to it all and gotcha. some sort of like um before we had the you know computers vampires yeah yeah i think you're thinking of hemophilia <laughs> that is what i was thinking you of can't, you start bleeding you can't uh stop mm-hmm. it's hard to stop your blood won't clot mm. you can't stop bleeding but you're talking about bryce folks that actually dress up in gothic garb in yes. like New York, and they have underground clubs. There's some here in LA where they actually drink each other's blood. Yeah, that's exactly. And they right. get is like, it consensual? Teeth. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. oh yeah, yeah. It's like a thing. It's, it's a, a movement. Thing. I it's saw a like a documentary on that. Yeah, and some people like being fed on by the vampire, but they're not so actually brought the true idea. People of that vampire, have brought back from the which dead. reminds me, that's a great story of high strangeness. Isn't his name like Saint Germain out of like uh, New Orleans? The old tale of the the vampire and the you know that 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 came over in a coffin do you want to do it next week oh my god is, is it would it still be halloween yeah that might be my we'll have a little for... listener mm-hmm. files and you can tell the story it, of saint germain it is incredible bring because it in he, yeah i mean and this is the real deal vampire superpowers uh able to i don't know if he turned into a bat but i mean we'll find out why don't we'll you bring out. it in next week and we'll tell that story there you go okay we're gonna take a break when we come back it's time for this week's story of high strangeness. Sweet. Okay, kids. It's story time. I seen the Dolahan myself stopping on the brow of the hill between Brinesford and Moneyscalp late one evening, just as the sun was setting. It was completely headless, but it held up its own head in its hand, and I heard it call out a name. I put my hand across my ears in case the name was my own, so I couldn't hear what it said. When I looked again, it was gone. But shortly afterwards, there was a bad car accident on that very hill, and a young man was killed. It had been his name 
that the Dullahan was calling. That's not right. W.J. Fitzpatrick, a storyteller from the Mourne Mountains in County Down, Ireland. Every October as a boy, when Halloween drew near, I would get excited because I knew that when the air cooled and wetted and the leaves began to fall, it meant that my favorite holiday tradition was approaching. The annual airing of the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad on the Disney Channel. <laughs> oh, I love that, too. That makes sense. <laughs> that animated film adapts the stories of uh, The Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham and Washington Irving's American classic, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. The latter, narrated by a jolly Bean Crosby who was yet untainted in my child's mind with the knowledge that he was a horrendous domestic abuser, <laughs> told the story of a Connecticut school teacher recently arrived in the cozy glen of Sleepy Hollow, just north of Terrytown, New York. Allegedly on that Bean Crosby stuff. I mean, his kid wrote a whole book about it. Beat the shit out of them. Anyway, Ichabod is a crane-like <laughs> man who must face off against the handsome and dastardly charming Brom Bones for the hand of Katrina Von Tassel. Ichabod is a figure who is fascinated by ghost stories and local folklore. He probably would have made a pretty good podcast back in the day. And like us, he was totally okay with reading about witchcraft and phantoms during the day. But when nighttime rolled around, he couldn't fucking handle it. That's me. And of course, Ichabod's fate is sealed. When he apparently comes face to face with one of Sleepy Hollow's most legendary specter, the Headless Horseman. Now, of course, all of this is fiction, but in Irving's tale, the Headless Horseman had been a Hessian soldier. Hey, guys, it's it's Michael interrupting myself for one time on the show. Um, we're about to get into the story. I just want to say something. Um, I got home after tell, telling the story and realized that I was pronouncing the word Hessian soldier, completely wrong. I say Hessian, the way it's spelled. I got home, and I remembered some history, and it came back to me. So, I know I fuck it up in this story. Instead of making Riley go and edit every time I say it, I'm just letting you know. So, sorry about that. Anyway, it's Hessian soldier. Now, let's get on with the story. Hessian. Hessian, dope. Dude, I'm a Hessian soldier. I would smoke some Hessian weed. <laughs> a German soldier. Uh, a type of German soldier who helped the British fight the uh, the Continental Army during the Revolutionary War. Now, this particular Hessian soldier's head was blown off by a single cannonball in what Irving calls some unnamed battle. But, uh, like his other fairy tale, Rip Van Winkle, Irving used actual local history and folklore to create the legend of Sleepy Hollow. During the Battle of White Plains, which took place on October 31st, 1776. No. It lasted a few days, but they were fighting on Halloween. What would become Halloween? A Hessian soldier was killed and decapitated by a single cannonball. His body was said to be buried in the Dutch church in Terrytown, just nine miles south of the battlefield. In Sleepy Hollow, it's from this graveyard which the headless horseman is said to rise and search for his missing head, extracting revenge upon those unlucky enough to cross his path. Is that what he's doing? Yeah. Wow. Okay, so far, all of this sounds kind of like stuff of fairy tales, and it's true the headless horseman, or 
Dark Riders can be found in stories that date way before Irving was writing stories based on Hudson Valley legends. In ancient Irish folklore, there is a dark, headless fairy known as the Dullahan, or Dark One, dressed in flowing black robes who rides on a giant black steed and carries his severed head in his arm or on the pommel of his saddle. The rider's head is illuminated with an eerie phosphorus glow, and it is sometimes used as a lantern of sorts to light the rider's way. The skin is said to be like moldy cheese and fixed with a sick, wide-set grin. Its eyes scan back and forth as the rider speeds across the moonlit countryside, searching for one unlucky individual for whom the rider's arrival means one thing death. Regarded as a version of the Grim Reaper in Irish and Celtic traditions, the Dullahan is a mostly unstoppable force. If you happen to catch a glimpse of the Dark One as he makes his ride towards his victim, he may spare you, but you'll go blind for seeing him. If you run and hide, no door or lock can stop him from getting to you. They all collapse or simply fall away as he nears. And all the rider must do is simply whisper your name and you die. Is one weakness? Gold. Gold! Gold! Stop him! (laughs) Carry a gold coin in your pocket and perhaps the Dullahan will spare your life for now. Greedy bastard. It is a widely held belief that the Dullahan is the corporal manifestation of an ancient Celtic god, Krom Dob, or Black Krom. A millennia and a half ago, the ancient Irish king Tigermas worshipped the dark fertility god by sacrificing children. It wasn't until the 6th century when Christian missionaries invaded Ireland that this practice was officially banned and the old pagan ways were destroyed. But Black Crom demands his lives, so he rides out as the Dullahan, still to this day, to collect his payment. Sometimes the rider is seen as a headless coachman, charging a wagon made of bones and whipping his horses with the spine of a corpse. That'd be dope. Nice. It's very metal. That's yes. awesome. Super metal. But all the legends... No, it's great. <laughs> all the legends are the same. Where the Dullahan stops, death soon comes. Why the severed head? Let's think about this for a moment. In Celtic folklore, the head was believed to contain the soul. So Celtic warriors would sometimes decapitate their fallen enemies and save the heads as a trophy. Mm. So it's possible that this is an allusion to that ancient uh, warrior tradition. But this brings us back to Sleepy Hollow and America's Headless Horseman. Remember when I said Irving would often use New England legends as inspirations for his stories? I do. Yes. Well... I wonder if he heard this one. And it gives some credence to the existence of an of actual ghostly writers right here in the United States. 
Snuggled in Farmington Valley, Connecticut, is the town of Canton. At this point in the story, it was called Suffrage. And during the Revolutionary War, there was a tavern that would ultimately become known as Hosford Inn. One night in 1777, so this is a year after that Hessian soldier was killed, and uh, sidebar, Irving's book, uh, which uh, Sleepy Hollow was published, came out in, I believe, 1820. So 40-odd years after this. One night in 1777, a French paymaster was riding from Hartford to Saratoga, New York, with a bag of gold to pay French soldiers aiding our colonial army fighting against the British. At this point in upstate New York, uh, the British were starting to really lose the battle. This is like 17, this might be 1778, 1777, 1778, conflicting years uh, based on the research that I did. But at this point, um, we're starting to turn things around and really push back the British, break up their forces. They're starting to lose men, money, and they're starting to think this might not be worth all of the expense and lives that we're losing to keep control of the colonies but we had the they had the hessian the german soldiers fighting we had the french helping us fight against these guys so these paymasters would make sure that the french armies got paid so he's riding from hartford connecticut to saratoga new york it's not that long he must have um started off late or it started raining because he stops at this inn uh in the town of canton So, uh, the story goes that the French paymaster stopped at this tavern, which was later Hosford Inn, for the night, but never arrived in Saratoga with that bag of gold. In fact, the paymaster was never seen again. Now, I can imagine walking into a firelit tavern on a cold night with a bag of gold during a war at the dawn of our nation's precarious birth might attract some unwanted attention. What you got in that bag, boy? Not not gold. Not gold? (laughs) Oh, okay. Not gold. (laughs) Times are tough. The future is uncertain. There are spies and enemies everywhere. I'm speculating a bit here, but I imagine it wouldn't be too dissimilar than walking into Moss Eisley's cantina in Star Wars with a bag full of credits with no ancient Jedi warrior to back you up in, in case of a scuffle. The innkeeper at the time was one Lieutenant Dudley Case, and he claimed that the paymaster departed that morning, but no one saw him leave. Perhaps the innkeeper himself was hiding something. The army investigated. Where's that gold go? But the paymaster seemed to disappear into thin air, only to return from the ether from which he vanished. According to an article by David K. Leff, following the paymaster's disappearance, 5,000 British troops surrendered at Saratoga. About the same time, a Canton farmer reported seeing the ghost of a headless horseman riding out of the mists along the road on a moonless evening, his cloak uh, flapping behind him, his horse's eyes alight with spectral fire. Though he swore to what he saw, his story drew more than a few snickers and was considered an odd, lunatic excursion in an otherwise steadfast and God-fearing life. 
It wasn't long after the tales of a headless horseman began appearing, riding along the roads and wagon trails of Canton on a translucent horse, a phantom in continual pursuit of his missing gold and head. In 1792, Long after the war was over and the paymaster's fate was lost to time, weary travelers would often arrive at the inn now maintained by Abraham Hosford, hence the Hosford Inn, spooked by encounters with the ghost rider on the road to Canton. There were sightings of the entity during the Civil War as well. And in 1874, almost 100 years after the paymaster went missing, the Hosford Inn burned to the ground. And afterwards, during an excavation of the property, a skeleton dressed in clothing with French buttons was found buried under the dirt foundation in the basement. Whoa. It was missing one vital identifying characteristic. <gasps> no. Hand. A head. No. <laughs> there was no. no gold to be found. Okay. Now, the history of this unlucky paymaster and his subsequent headless ghost was recorded in the Connecticut Quarterly article, in a Connecticut Quarterly article in 1896. And encounters with the headless horseman of Canton are said to still happen to this day. A more recent article that I found from the Register Citizen writes, If you're ever driving the back roads of Canton very late at night on your way home from Filthy McNasty's Bar and Roadkill Kill Grill. Wait. Yes. Those are awesome places. We went from an old colonial town to a place, strip malls with places Holy. like Filthy McNasty's Bar and Roadkill Kill yeah. Grill. Dude, BJ in the Shadow Bass needs to get a residency yeah, at Filthy, Filthy McNasty's. Next year, Filthy McNasty's. Uh, if, you're head, if you're ever driving on the back roads, make sure you watch out for the Headless Horseman of Canton. There are still occasional reports of motorists seeing the spectral figure galloping down the road on the back roads of Canton. Cars have to veer suddenly to avoid hitting the horse. Oh, wow. So, maybe there is some truth to the legend after all. All I know is that like one Ichabod Crane, after this podcast wraps tonight, I will have to travel down a long, dark, and windy road towards my home before I can lay my weary head to rest on my pillow for the night. And I pray that I still have a head when I get there. Oh! That well, well is a tale of the Headless Horse. There you go. And I, I recently read, uh, for for preparation, uh, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, and it's mm -hmm. fucking great. Yeah. And it's really cool. I mean, some of the variations of the tale vary. I mean, the Disney version is different than the Tim Burton version, but the original short story is well worth the time. Pick it up. You can read it in a half hour sitting at home. Read it by a fire if you can. It's perfect for this time of year. It takes place over Halloween. It is very funny. Like, Washington Irving is hilarious in his character <laughs> descriptions. Ichabod Crane is a character. But it's cool because he talks about, in that in that original version, the Headless Horseman is got a head resting on the pommel of his horse. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the winky-winky part of the whole story is that the horseman might actually be Brom Bones, scaring Ichabod mm -hmm. away from 
Katrina Von Tessel. He wants him, at, you know, they're competing suitors. And after Ichabod's uh, encounter with the horseman, he vanishes. And there are rumors of whether he was killed or taken that night by the headless horseman. And, and it's awesome because, you know, Irving never comes out and spells it. Uh, outright, but Ichabod's uh, part of Ichabod's saddle and a smashed pumpkin, a jack o' lantern, uh, is the, is was found on the other side of the bridge where he tried to escape the horseman, Smart. and that's where we get the image of the headless horseman with the jack o' lantern, right. because the idea is that perhaps Brom Bones had, was using somebody. a jack o' lantern as the glowing head of the mm. decapitated Hessian soldier. So that's why we associate the jack-o'-lantern. Also, the other cool thing that came up, and this is just a bit of nerdy trivia, uh, jack-o'-lanterns, and this kind of ties back into Bryce's story last week of orbs and jack-o'-lanterns during Halloween. They're associated with the Headless Horseman, not only because of uh, Washington Irving's story, but also because... um, they would sometimes during the Revolutionary War heat up cannonballs, and when they would fire them, blazing hot, they would glow orange oh. as they flew through the night oh. sky, and they looked like glowing pumpkins. So there's all this kind of like yeah. imagery and iconography wrapped up into multiple layered meanings here, but it it all seems to really come out of at least the American Headless Horseman really seems to grow out of the Revolutionary War battlefield. And I was just in New England recently, or close to it. I was in um, New Hope, um, uh, Pennsylvania, and uh, right on the Delaware um, in September. And this little town, there were so much... So many cool, I mean, this inn I think I told you guys I went to was like erected in 1726 Mm. and it had the original tavern was still there and it's just got such a haunted feeling on the, you're nodding your head. Yeah, sorry. um, No, please. No, I I went to NYU for undergrad and then I went to, I went to Yale for graduate school. And listen, I'm a very fancy lady, (laughs) Um, but that was my favorite thing to do would be to like rent a car and hop in it and go to Sleepy Hollow or go to um, Griswold. Connecticut or maybe it was Essex and the Griswold mm-hmm. Inn in Essex and they would have like sea shanty bands playing and you would just feel like you're back in this time and it's a time where it just feels like it's by candlelight you know yeah. like like you did such a great job telling that story and that's that's the the beauty of it right is this story and how the story will keep evolving so mm. that there probably is all these great kernels of truth that then right. interact with the person yeah. And becomes something new, and and we follow this lineage and this history. And well, and Terrytown so was a Dutch settlement, and um, Irving kind of alludes in his in his story that unlike a lot of pioneers at the time and pilgrims, um, the Dutch seemed to like set up and stay there, and generally gen- generationally stay in their towns. Um, and not move on as much. I mean, obviously they settled in, but 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 once a colony was established, a town was established, they tend to linger there for generations. So a lot of these old ghost stories got handed down and really got a chance to take residence in places like Terrytown. Mm. Um, so I thought that that was really cool. And he was obviously very infatuated with everything going on. You know, the, the Dutch culture happening in upstate New York at the time because Rip Van Winkle, which we mm-hmm. talked about on the other side, that's a plug for the page. Um, you know, the Catskills Mountains were a haunted place, and there were ancient uh, legends of the native people, um, native peoples, knowing that there were 
um, small people living in the mountains that forged uh, magical items in a fire that would come out of the mountain. And it was very, it's got a lot of UFO connotations. Mm. And that's, of course, where Whitley Strieber had his paranormal or uh, UFO abductions was up in the Catskills. And Rip Van Winkle is a story about a guy who encounters these uh, small beings and then has uh, a giant missing time episode of 20 years, you know, and goes home and and doesn't recognize his own hometown. Um, So there's all the spooky stuff. And a lot of those stories came from uh, Henrik Hudson as he was exploring upstate New York. So Irving just like collected all this stuff. And I'm really fascinated. I, I know very little about him as a writer, but the more I'm I, I've been kind of looking in, into him for this podcast. I'm like, and reading his stuff. He's like very modern, very, very, very mm-hmm. modern, and clearly has an appreciation for these these kind of tales. So, wow, that's wild. As it sounds like you do too. I mean, I going do, to yeah. s- suss out these places and stuff. I think that's so cool. So, I, it was just, oh no, you no. What do you think? I mean, headless horseman. Is it possible? Absolutely. <laughs> but I'll, who am I to tell you? You know, like you like. It just hearing this story, there are so many stories of death and death pull and these like fairy tales from around the world. There's there's a story from I forget where in Asia, but there's a man that's walking home and he hears a sound behind him and he looks and there's just a head rolling towards him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks away and he's like, I don't want to see that. And he keeps walking down the road and the head keeps following him. And he's like, stop following me. And the head goes, I am drawn to you. And until he finally turns around, the head just like looks at him and he dies. Oh. And it's sort of oh. like that we all we and we pull death towards us, right? Because we are these living, bright creatures that are balanced with death. So I think that that's what's so beautiful about this time of year is, you know, the trees are dying, but they're turning these bright, brilliant colors. Like everything's mm. changing. It's not an ending. It's it's changing. That that man was probably murdered by the innkeeper. It sounds like. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. I'm so that's what I think. I think that the murderer was the innkeeper with a gun, um, on. I can't think of any clue references after that. Right. <laughs> yeah, I got it. In the basement. Exactly. Yeah. You know, but that it's that but then how do we take that story and keep telling it and 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 appreciate how alive we are and how that can change, you know? I, I just I think it's so what a it's the best time of year, you Amen. guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. So cool. Stories. You like the perfect Halloween guest. Yeah. How are you wow, gonna be I'm celebrating so Halloween this year? Yeah. What do you like to do? What are your Halloween traditions? Well, we are actually opening the show. So oh, I will right. be celebrating Thanksgiving on Halloween okay. this year. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's Maybe uh, should be a fun time. After curtain call, you can go wander around uh yeah, well we did talk, you know, because af- after you know, whenever you do a show then you have to like dress up for the opening night party and we were like are we dressing up or are we gonna like go as a costume like are we gonna put costumes on so i think that we might do three's company and then like (laughs) do that for the the show i think that'll be really fun so that's how i'm celebrating this year awesome well alex hendrickson i want to thank you so much for being a guest on the show tonight. Yep. Um, where can people find you on social media? I am basically only on Instagram at at a girl Alex. A T T A G I R L A L E X. Tell us again when the Thanksgiving Yes. So play? I'm in uh, a show called The Thanksgiving Play at the Geffen. Our first preview is um, October twenty second and we open October thirty first and run through December first. And it's a 
fast-paced, hilarious comedy about um, a bunch of well-intentioned white people putting on a Thanksgiving play Fantastic. for Native American so, Heritage guys, Month. Guys, we should all try and go to yeah, that. Yeah, you guys should. Check it out. Okay, yeah. Take in some theater here in Old That would be a lot yeah. of fun. Love to have you. We'll get a drink oh, afterwards. Awesome. That would be great. Talk more monsters. Sounds cool. good. <laughs> um, as for me, I'm McMills on all the things. Uh, Mr. Bryce Johnson, Bryce O. Johnson. Yep. And uh, trash bag hashtag on Instagram. Um, uh, I want to ask you guys to please watch this season of Robot Chicken on Adult Swim. I wrote uh, on this episode, and my uh, my episode should be airing around now. Uh, so check that out. Um, also, Bryce and I were recently on Lizard People podcast on That's, the latest yes, episode we with Caitlin Hempstead, uh, past guest. Check that out. Um, Alex, thanks again <laughs> yes. for being our Thank guest. You, Thank you so much. Um, all of you guys, um, please um, send in your Halloween stories. This is your last chance. We want to get them in for our show next week. Um, this has been so fun uh, doing this Halloween month with all of you guys. I want to thank Campfire Media, as always, for hosting us. And until next time, I remain Michael McMillan for Bryce Johnson, Riley Bray. Good night and go get regressed. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their case has had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.